My first word on this Easter Sunday in this sermon is thank you. Thank you. If you're joining this Easter service online via the internet through our live streaming service, you are choosing to take a pause from the crisis, from the chaos of our lives, and you are choosing to enter into this venture with God, God's poetry, God's passion for us. Thank you. If you are deciding to watch this Easter service during this horrific virus that's overcoming the world, you are choosing to step back from the isolation and the statistics and enter into wonder and mystery and God's promise of life over death and hope over despair. If you're choosing to be with us on this sacred day, thank you. You are seeking to engage your heart in the good news of God. And you are affirming, or at least you're open to the idea, that God and the God life are so important for our lives. Especially right now, you're open to the idea that life is bigger and life is better than we could far imagine because of God's love and because of God's grace and because of God's actions in the world on Easter. So thank you. We need this word of faith. We need this word of life in the midst of disease and death today. We need this presence of God, this mystery this wonder, this hope, this sense of life and light in the midst of all that feels so debilitating and paralyzing and fearful. So here's the Easter story. And spoiler alert, it's not about springtime and colorful flowers. It's not about Easter bunnies. It's not about uh, candy. This story introduces us to some women some women who wander down the road in the dark on a Sunday morning to a cemetery expecting to find one thing, their crucified and dead friend in the tomb and finding something totally different. These words greet the women. He's not here. He's been raised. So this story is about life over death. I hope you'll hear it as if for the first time. I'm reading it today from the Gospel according to Matthew, and I invite you to listen for every nuance and every detail that Matthew wants us to note. Listen. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the angel, the guards shook and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are here looking for Jesus who was crucified He's not here. He has been raised, as he said. 
Come, see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead. And indeed, indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you, the angel said. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Go to Galilee. There you will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's something really important to note here, especially on this Sunday when we lament that we can't be together. There's something really important to note here. There are no big crowds. There are no wonderful choir with brass in our choir loft, except pre-recorded from last year's Easter. And especially when we know that this Easter is not the great release from the coronavirus that some people had hoped for. There's something to note today. Christ's resurrection didn't begin with large gatherings, didn't begin with big organ music and big choirs proclaiming. It began with an empty tomb and some fearful women. And it was a tomb emptied of death. Certainly, this is the Easter to ponder such emptiness, to linger over emptiness, to maybe even revel in it. We miss being together for sure. But this is the Easter to let our sanctuaries and our chancels and our narthexes and our choir lofts remain utterly empty, not in despair, but in testimony that our lives are being saved, saved in this emptiness. Emptiness, in this case, this year, is life-giving. Social and physical distancing are proving to be life-giving. By, by abandoning our sacred gathering places on Easter, we're not abandoning the gospel. Far from it. We are testifying to what the angel announced in the tomb. Do not be afraid. He's not here. He's not here. The empty tomb is what is life-giving for us and for the world. Big Easter worship, music, beauty, it's wonderful. We love it. But it's the empty tomb that's life-giving, just as this current distancing is life-giving. We've all been thinking so much about science so much about flattening the curve and cases counted and death tolls rising. We've all been focused on press releases and press conferences and masks and medical updates on the vaccine and so much more. We've even been hearing that things maybe are slowly, we hope, getting better in places like New York. These subjects are all important. And they can consume us. 
But today, Easter, as faithful people, we have the Easter story. The story. We have some women going to a tomb, a simple story of sad women in grief going to share some love on their crucified and dead friend. They went that morning in the dark. And there are lots of things that happen in this story that convey that something great and something powerful and something life-changing is going on on that morning. God's new era is dawning. There's an earthquake. Earthquakes in ancient literature always want to convey something big happening. Then the angel descends from heaven and rolls back the stone and sits on it. Catch that? An angel sitting on a stone tells us that a tombstone is never too much for God and God's angels. He rolls it back and sits on it. Then there's also lightning and other drama, all to say something big is happening. And think about this. The angel rolled away the stone, not so that Jesus could get out. The angel rolled away the stone so that the women could go in and see the truth. He's not there. He's not there. He's been raised. A new era is dawning. That's the message. This becomes a story about sadness, moves from being about sadness and grieving to a story of rejoicing, life out of death. All of the aspects of this story want to engage our hearts, engage our minds, link us to God, link us to wonder, to majesty, to miracles, to light to hope, to what God is always doing in the world. How much do we need to hear that in these days? It's a story that wants to change us. It's a story that wants to redirect us. How much do we need to hear that? I've been thinking lots in recent weeks about Viktor Frankl. Remember him? Viktor Frankl, you may recall, was an Austrian neurologist, an Austrian psychiatrist whose life coincided with the horrors of World War II. His life from the previous century coincided with so much trouble in Europe, and Frankel was Jewish. He was captured, and he spent time in four, four different concentration camps held by the Nazis, Nazis, four different camps, including Auschwitz. Many of his family, including his wife, were killed in the concentration camps. Frankel survived. He not only survived, he wrote about how he survived and how he helped others survive. Viktor Frankl, writing from the madness of the Holocaust, reminded us that we don't get to choose the difficulties that come our way. But we do have the freedom to select our response to what happens to us. Meaning, he argued, comes from three things. The work we do in a time of crisis. The love we share in a time of crisis. And the courage with which we live 
when we are facing suffering. The menace we confront, he says, may be subhuman or superhuman. It may be vicious people or a vicious virus. But we all have the option of how we respond. How we respond, asserting our own dignity, even to the very end. This is always our choice, how we respond to what happens to us. So we have an important opportunity in these days. How do we respond to the Easter story? How do we respond to these unusual times and COVID-19? This is where we are. This is what we have to answer. Will we respond with the work we do? With the love we share? With the courage that we seek to embody in the face of suffering? Will we? This is our challenge. Sarah R. is a young Presbyterian minister who serves currently in Texas. Sarah R. has ties to our particular congregation here at Second Presbyterian Church in Richmond. She's a graduate of VCU, and when she was a student of VCU, she was a participant and active leader in our Ukirk ministry. So she was present in worship and in other ways through the life of this church when she was here. Sarah R. is also part of Sanctified Art, along with our own Hannah Garrity, who usually sits right here on the front row in our sanctuary when we're together. Sanctified Art is a small group of these talented women that produces artistic and liturgical resources for the larger church, including our church. Here's a poem, or maybe it's a prayer, or it's an affirmation that comes from Sarah R. for these days. And I quote, I used to know the wilderness only as pain a land without food, a land without water. But you rain down manna and even water flows in your desert. I used to think the wilderness was total isolation. But the Israelites had each other and you had the stars in the sky. So then I thought the wilderness must be time wasted. 40 years of circling, 40 years of wandering Bible images. But then I realize each step is a step, and maybe there's growth in that. So then I concluded that the wilderness must be lonely spaces. The woman and her well, the blind man and his gate, Martha and her kitchen, Peter and his fire, more biblical images. But then you showed up in each of those spaces to each of those faces. So now I wonder, what if the wilderness is the birthplace of creation? What if the wilderness is where call begins? What if the wilderness is where joy is birthed? What if the, between the dirt and the sky 
and that wide orange horizon? What if the wilderness is where we find you? The angel said to the woman, He's not here. The angel said, He's been raised. Do not be afraid. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. He's not here. Neither are you. No, we are people who've heard the news. He's not here. Do not be afraid. He's not here. We are people, you and I. We are people who link our lives not just to the crisis, not just to the uncertainty and the chaos of the world. We link our lives to God. God who is stronger than death. God who is stronger than the viciousness and the cruelty of Good Friday. God who is stronger than every heartache and sin that clings so close to us. God is stronger than every failure or, or frustration of our lives or the world. We link our lives to Jesus like these women and we realize that God will not ever leave us, never let us go. God will not let us be defeated. God prevails over all things, disease, death. God provides over all things, suffering, and loss. God provides over all things, sadness and isolation, and God brings life and light. That's the gospel. What if the wilderness is where joy is birthed? What if the wilderness is where we find God? The mystery, the wonder, the life, the light, peace, hope, this is the message of Easter. He's not here. He's risen. So the women left the tomb that morning when they heard that news, and they left quickly. And it says they left with fear and joy, both of those. And suddenly, it says, Jesus met them, spoke to them, and they recognized Jesus and worshipped him, and then Jesus sent them on to tell the others, do not be afraid. Go to Galilee. Go to tell the others. There you will see me. And we, as disciples of Jesus, as Easter people, especially in a time of COVID-19, we should be out looking and working for the risen Jesus. He's not here. So we seek to work. And with love and with courage. And we do all of it in the promise and the reality. He's not here. He's risen. Risen indeed. We strive to trust God in all times. We strive to serve God in all times. He's not here. He's been raised. That changes everything. A few years ago, at our Ash Wednesday service, we gave out pieces of broken pottery to everybody who came to worship. We gave out shards, you know, sharp 
glasses, glass uh, that you could feel the sharp edges. And we held it in our hand and we felt the pain of it touching us. And we thought about the things that were harsh on our lives, the sharp edges that we all carry around. And during that Ash Wednesday service, after reflecting with our own shards about our own lives, we each brought the shard to the communion table and we placed it here and it symbolized we're giving this to God. We're trusting God with all of our failures and hurts and pains and losses. We put it on the table and we want to begin Lent affirming God can handle all of this. Let's go off into Lent that year seeking to leave that with God and strive to new ways of, of deep discipleship. And then we said to our wonderful, fantastic arts community in the life of this church, take these pieces of shard that were piled up on the table and do something with them, please, will you? And they took them, and that lent, they put together these mosaics. From those broken shards, they created this, that lint, mosaics, and fit them into the wooden structure at the front of this church. You know what this represents? It represents the four women in the Easter story. It rep represents the women who were journeying in the darkness to visit their crucified and dead friend in the tomb thinking they were just going to tend to him with some love and care his body and what they found he's not there he's been risen these symbolize those four women who went to tell the story in Galilee share the news a new era is dawned God's error Death is not too much for God. Meanness and cruelty, not too much for God. Pain, suffering, disease, loss, not too much for God. God wins over all of that. That's the Easter message. They went to tell the story. And we have these mosaics reminding us, keep telling the story. God wins. A new era has dawned because of Easter. He's not here. Christ has been raised, and he will reign forever and ever, as Handel reminds us in the Hallelujah Chorus. And he shall reign forever and ever. It's the promise of Easter. We seek to be Easter people because he shall reign forever and ever. That word speaks to us so much in these days. Let us be shaped by that news. Let us work for God in all ways, with love and with courage, trusting in the promise. He's not here. He's been raised. He shall reign forever and ever. Friends, remember, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. We believe, O oh God, help our unbelief and keep shaping us, molding us, using us in the world for good, with love, with courage, following the risen Jesus. We commit our lives to him. Alleluia. Amen.